On the eve of his crucifixion, Jesus prays to his Father, I have given them your word, and the world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them from the world, but you keep them from the evil one. Welcome to Aliens to Earth podcast. I'm your host, Nate Gazau, and you've tuned in to a very special episode. Stick around. Welcome to the very first episode. In this introduction, we'll talk about the birth of Aliens to Earth, the heart behind why, and what to expect from future episodes. We'll be releasing a new episode once a week, and we're very excited for you to join us. What is Christianity? Why is it important? And what does it all mean? What does it mean to be a Christian? Why do we have to be saved? What are we being saved from? Who are we being saved from? So let me ask you, are you a Christian? You know, what they call like a Bible banger, Jesus fanatic, Bible freak. If that's you, then turn the volume up, cancel that meeting, maybe get a cup of coffee. You'll feel right at home because it's about to get real biblical in here. And maybe you hate Christians or you feel weirded out by them. Or growing up, you were kind of a Christian by affiliation. Maybe your parents were, your aunt was, your grandma dragged you to church and you just sort of aren't practicing anymore. Or maybe you're just not sure maybe you don't want to practice a religion either way i want to invite you along this journey with me as i kind of hash out what the bible calls christianity how should a follower of christ live is it even possible to live like the way the bible says to let's start from the very beginning and kind of work our way through genesis let's start from there what does it all mean where does it come from so bear with me genesis chapter one so we see in this chapter god is speaking things into existence he's speaking the earth into existence it was an empty void that was dark and shapeless but then god begins to create the heavens and the earth god sees his creation and he says it was good he makes the skies the sea the vegetation the animals and he sees them all and he says this is good god then created adam the first human being and he made him in his own likeness he formed him out of the dust and he breathed the breath of life into his nostrils and he blesses him and he tells him to be fruitful and multiply subdue the land and he gave him the authority to rule over the earth and all its inhabitants then god reflects on all this and he says this is very good so initially god is doing all this creating he makes the heavens and the earth he speaks them out he says let there be light and there's light then god calls it good so he's doing everything one by one and he's calling it good he's calling it good he's calling it good and then he creates adam in his own image and he says this is very good so so far we're seeing a lot of good and very good after god forms all these things he creates the heavens and the earth he makes adam and you know he breathes the breath of life into adam and he tells him work the ground and cultivate it he can eat of every plant and every fruit bearing tree except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil he clearly states to him for on the day you eat from it you will certainly die Ooh, certainly die next god for the first time says it's not good for man to be alone so god sees adam and he says he shouldn't be alone he should have communion he should have an 
assistant a helper he should have community he should have someone to do this journey of life with and he says i'll provide for him a helper and then fast forward just a little bit god puts adam into a deep sleep and from his rib he creates eve and adam is pleased with her he calls her bone of my bone flesh of my flesh he says you will be called woman because you came from man god states that man and his wife were naked but not ashamed so at this point creation everything is good god is making all these things he creates the animals he creates the the vegetation the fruits he creates adam he makes eve and now they're just enjoying god's presence naked but unashamed no sin no issues no problems just uninterrupted untainted presence of god and man was destined to live this way forever with god can you imagine that for a second there's no pain no hurting no sorrow no loss no regret just joy and a freedom and a success yeah that's that's pretty cool so let's just pause and let's talk about during all this yeah we know like we're gonna get to the next part where we talk about sin and then the fall of man but while this is all going good how does it just go left and sin didn't start with adam and eve it actually starts with satan right and it's interesting because between genesis chapter one and genesis is chapter three there's a whole situation in heaven happening where lucifer or who was known as the morning star falls from his position as a cherub and let's kind of look at this real quick let's jump over and see what's happening on the other side ezekiel chapter 28 from verse 12 to 17 says you were the signet of perfection he's referring to lucifer full of wisdom and perfect in beauty you were in eden the garden of god every precious stone was your covering sardius topaz and diamond beryl onyx and jasper sapphire emerald and carbuncle and crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings on the day you were created they were prepared you were an anointed guardian cherub i placed you where on the holy mountain of god in the midst of the stones of fire you walk you were blameless in your ways this is satan in this scripture which is crazy all we can imagine of satan now is this red horn with a tail and pitchfork and scary monster but he says he was beautiful he was perfect in his beauty shined with all kinds of gemstones and it says he were blameless in your ways for the day you were created and then it takes a turn right here it says till unrighteousness was found in you in the abundance of your trade you were filled with violence then it says and you sinned so i cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of god so now we see god's intolerance for sin didn't start with adam and eve started with satan or lucifer who was perfect he was perfect until something happened it says and i destroyed you all guardian cherub from the midst of the stones of fire let's pay attention to this verse it says your heart was proud because of your beauty you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor so pride creeps into lucifer because he was so perfectly made because he was so beautiful because he was so wise and he walked with such grace because of that it says his heart was filled with pride and then he says you corrupted your wisdom so satan was wise and says i cast you to the ground i exposed you before 
king to feast their eyes on you. Let's read another portion of scripture in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 through 15 says, How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to earth, you who have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Nevertheless, you will be thrust down into Sheol, to the recesses of the pit. Yikes. So while everything is going good on earth, while everything is going smooth and perfect, there's another battle going on. Lucifer gets full of pride, pride in his own perfection, in his own beauty, and it corrupts his wisdom. It says he was wise and beautiful. And I'm sure you guys have heard of the term pride comes before the fall, but it's displayed for us right here in the garden. And it's like, think about it. For those of you that know scripture, it's so strange to see all these connections because who else do we see in the New Testament that is full of pride in their own good works or in their so quote unquote perfection of how they follow the law to the T? It's the Pharisees, right? <laughs> no wonder Jesus calls this Pharisees children of Satan. It's crazy. But so before I get carried away, let's go back to Adam and Eve in the garden. Let's let's go back and, and really look at what happens here. So we go back into the garden. Genesis 3 starts the fall of man. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from the tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it or touch it, or if you will, you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. So here's here's Satan already causing some sort of doubt in Eve's mind. And then he here he goes in verse five, he says, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. But let's pause on verse five real quick, because he says, for God knows that the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. So now now he's tempting her with pride. He's tempting her to desire being equal with God or surpassing God. The same thing that got him thrown out of heaven, the same thing that got him where he is now, he's trying to make Eve do. Now, this part as well, if you don't pay attention to it, you may miss it. It says knowing good and evil. So a lot of times we, we ask like, okay, if God is so good, then why would he let evil into the earth? Or why, why would he make bad things happen or let bad things happen? So just to kind of extend stay on track here. God created everything and he said it was good. Then God created Adam and Eve and he said it was very good. So far, Adam and Eve, they're walking in the garden naked and unashamed. So Adam and Eve know good and very good. They know everything that is God. God was protecting them from evil. God was protecting them by telling them, do not eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil because they already know good and they know very good. That's all they had. Everything was good already. He was protecting them from their eyes being open to the darkness, their eyes being open to the evil things by telling them, do not eat of the tree. And because God is sovereign and he will allow you to have a choice, he didn't make them or he didn't take the tree and lock it up. He put the tree, all the trees there, but he told them, don't eat of this tree, you will die. So interesting enough, Satan introduces evil into the world right here because so far we know everything is good and then it says when woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise can you imagine he tricked her into thinking she would become more wise she took from its fruit 
and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin covering. Sheesh. So Satan falls from heaven, wants to be like God. Pride got in the way. He fell. Tricks Eve, boosts her ego, boosts her pride, tells her, eh, did God really say you're going to die? Which he did. So he makes her doubt the word of God. Then he entices her by saying, actually, God just doesn't want you to be like him. He just doesn't want you to see what he sees. He just want, he, he's trying to hold you back from something. And that pride crept into her and she said, oh, this is good. It looks good. It feels good. And who doesn't want to be wise? Sure. And she takes it. So the enemy began his work on that day and they were afraid. And it says they were ashamed because they realized that they were naked. So verse eight says, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves because the presence of the Lord God among the trees and the garden was there. Then the Lord God said to the man and he said, he asked him, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. So we've never even seen fear before this moment. So now we see all these things creeping in after sin enters the world, after evil enters the world, after everything was was good and very good and satan introduces evil now we're starting to see fear now we're starting to see shame so, so i hid myself and he said who told you that you were naked have you eaten from the tree which i commanded you not to eat the man said the woman whom you gave me to be with me she gave me the fruit from the tree and i ate then verse 13 the lord god said to the woman what is this that you have done and the woman said the serpent deceived me and i ate the lord god said to the serpent because you have done this cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field on your belly you will go and dust you will eat and all the days of your life and i will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise him on the heel to the woman he said i will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth in pain you will bring forth children yet your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you yikes then to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles, it shall grow for you and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat bread till you return to the ground. Because from it, you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return. Now the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. The the Lord God had made garments for their skin, and Adam and his wife, he clothed them. Then the Lord said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove man out and at the east of the garden, he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned every direction to guard away from the tree of life wow so what an interesting chain of events we see god creating everything creating man creating all creation and everything going so smooth everything going so well and then 
pride creeps in. First, it creeps in through Lucifer, who is just now Satan, and he falls. And when he falls, he deceives Eve, and then she falls. So we know that the enemy uses doubt, uses pride, because the enemy is so wise. He uses even God's word to manipulate, and so on and so forth. So we see this from the beginning. The fall of man is disobedience to God, caused by pride, caused by doubting God's word. So now the original design and intent for man to live forever with God is broken. God says now that he had to cast them out of the garden. So even when Adam and Eve began to have their own children, Cain and Abel, now you see the enmity be between Cain and Abel that begins the strife. How Cain kills his brother Abel because the Lord was pleased with Abel's sacrifice and not Cain. And then all the descendants of Adam, then you see the corruption of mankind in Genesis chapter 6. So everything that started with the serpent in the garden became to multiply. Genesis 6 verse 1 says, Now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land. The daughters were born to them. The sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with men forever, because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. So interesting. So, and it says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's Genesis chapter 6 verse 5. It says, The Lord was sorry that he had made man on earth, on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Ooh. So it gets from bad to worse. So God creates Adam and Eve. He makes a perfect place for them to live, a perfect world. Then sin comes in the picture, taints everything. Now they're experiencing fear. Now they have shame. Now they're kicked out of the garden. Now their descendants are, at enem are enemies of each other. Their uh, sons, Cain and Abel, have their disagreements. Then it just keeps going on and on and on and on and on. And now we're at the point where we see, we've seen the fall of man. A lot of times you can question that and say, again, why did God let this happen, right? But the real question is, God had set it up for us to succeed. If you really think about it, God put all those other plants, all the trees of life and all these things. He gave us a 99.9% .9 chance of success. He gave us the benefit of the doubt. He put one tree in that garden that we weren't supposed to. And every other plant, every other fruit bearing tree, every other thing was available to us. Yet we chose that one. And at that time, everything was good. So that pride is a real dangerous thing. It put it put Eve in an identity crisis. And that's something we're going to expand on moving forward. Point of identity. When God had created man, he had created man for a purpose. He had created him to live in unity with him, worshiping him, communing with him, walking with man. God had originally designed us to be intimate with him, one with him, and experience that closeness. So our identity was found in him. But what Satan did is once Satan fell, he came. And because he wanted to be like God so bad because he wanted to take the place of God so bad. He tricked Eve out of her, out of her authority on earth. He introduced evil to the earth and her identity was compromised. Adam's identity was compromised. And this thing called identity is something really important. It's who we are. It's our purpose. It's why we're here on earth. What is our identity? Really take a second to think about this. You are a created being that relies on God, your creator to live. I know it seems like we're in control and to some certain degree we are. God in his sovereignty has given us a mind to think and choose for ourselves. But we lose sight of the reality that 
It's God who has granted us the breath of life. What is this body we have without breath? What is life without fellowship and guidance from the maker? We see our ability to create, plan, come as far as we have in our modern societies. You know, like when I'm hungry, I buy food. When I'm sick, I go see a doctor. When I miss my family, I jump on a plane and I go visit them. When I want something, I get it. We restlessly are never satisfied, whether we amass wealth or attain the highest achievements. Our souls have a have a longing to be filled with the presence of our Creator. Has our abilities, independence, and self-reliance crept in and making us feel like and think that we are gods as well? Or that we are masters of our fate? We're mere mortals. We have been severed from eternal life with our Creator God by sin that took form of pride and crept in, taking us out of our perfect union and that good and very good existence which we had in the beginning. But now this world is just full of evil. You and I are weak humans. We have fears. We hurt. We feel pain. And we hurt one another for selfish gain. We could never be God. So I'll end with this thought. We're responsible for what we do with the word of God. Do we adhere to his word and cling to his word as a lifeline? Or are we easily fooled and swept away by what we hear? There was an old prophet from Judah in the book of 1 Kings chapter 13 that was directed by God to relay a message to the king of Israel at the time. God spoke to this prophet and he told him to relay a message. He told him to go to the king and then relay this message and go back home. God gave him strict instructions. He said, go to the king speak what i have given to you to speak leave that place and go home directly do not eat or drink anything on your way back and do not return by the way you came so while the prophet is speaking out against the king and doing as he was instructed by god to do the king was listening to what the prophet was saying and he was not happy so the king stretches his hand out and says seize him and as his hands are stretched out his hands shrivel up and the king sees this and begs the prophet to pray to god for his recovery and the prophet does this and god immediately restores his king's hand to normal so then the king sees this and is so amazed by what just happened that he invites the prophet over to his house and says please eat and drink with me and i have something for you so the prophet says no and begins his journey home but as he's sitting under the tree resting another prophet from bethel comes to him and asks him are you the prophet from judah the prophet confirms that he is then this prophet tells him that he too has heard from the angel of the lord and that the angel told him to invite this prophet into his home now let's pay attention guys because this prophet from bethel just lied he hears no such thing but the prophet was convinced at his word so the prophet of judah hears this and goes okay well you know you're a prophet you hear from the lord so sounds good let's go after arriving at the prophet's home while they were eating the lord began speaking to the prophet from bethel who had lied and invited the prophet of judah to his home so now god is speaking to the prophet first that prophet from bethel said he heard from an angel of the lord now god himself directly is speaking to this prophet and so after the prophet heard the message from the lord he related to the prophet of judah he says to him you have disobeyed the lord your god he told you not to eat and drink anything here but you came home and ate with me and so when you die your body will not be buried in your family's tomb after hearing this, the old prophet got a donkey ready and the prophet of Judah left. Along the way, a lion came, attacked 
the prophet and killed him. Oof. This story almost seems unfair and it almost seems to mirror the story in the garden, right? This guy is a man on a mission. He's walking in purpose. He's doing what the Lord has asked him to do. Then he gets this sort of fake news from a prophet who lies and tricks him and tells him to come to his house, which in return, he forfeits his life mission, his destiny. He was destined to serve God in this way and at the end of his life, be buried in the tomb of his ancestors. But all because he didn't follow the way that God had instructed him. Same thing we see in the garden. God gives specific instructions to Adam and Eve. Adam blames Eve. Eve blames the serpent. This prophet probably blames another prophet. So it's like, it's a continuous cycle, but I want to leave you with this question. What lies do we buy into ourselves that take us away from the word of God? What lies have we believed to be true that don't necessarily align with the word of God, that what God has commanded from us? Know that we have an enemy that is at work constantly to spread lies, to spread doubt, to spread pride, to get us off the course of our intended mission to follow, to honor, and to serve God. Be aware that there is an enemy out to fool you out of your identity and purpose. Stay tuned to next week's episode as we talk about God's plan for the redemption of mankind.